harder position to evaluate than an NFL backup quarterback in all of professional sports. There just can't be. And I am sitting here in front of you in Cleveland, Ohio, as living proof of this. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network. Here at First Energy Stadium, the Steelers lost. I'll put that in giant quotation marks with some italics and other specs around it to call attention to its dubious nature. A 24-22 loss uh, to the Browns. The Browns, of course, had everything to play for. The Steelers were using uh, B-level guys, practice squad guys in some cases, players who aren't accustomed to being in the roles that they were sent out to do. And, of course, Mike Tomlin gets all indignant about it afterward. And how many times do I have to tell you guys? He actually said this. How many times do I have to tell you guys that we play these games to win? Well, okay, he played this game to win but left Ben Roethlisberger, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Chris Boswell, and other guys back home in Pittsburgh. And he played this game with Mason Rudolph as his quarterback. A certain somebody on this particular program, and there are no other somebodies on this program, told you the last time we met that Mason Rudolph was not to be considered part of the franchise's future, either for this weekend in Cleveland or looking well ahead well past the Ben Roethlisberger era. I didn't completely write him off, said I'd want to see more, said I'd need to see more. But it was based on what I had seen, how I felt at the time. It was genuine. Guess what? I hadn't seen enough. You hadn't seen enough. None of us had seen enough. Why? Because he's an NFL backup quarterback. There's no minor leagues. There's no place to send the individual so that they can continue performing the way you do in other sports. In baseball and in hockey, you send somebody down to the minors, and they'll either keep scoring goals or keep hitting home runs or they'll go into a slump, and you won't have to wonder as much what that individual has. The NFL backup quarterback, especially in a year like this, the coronavirus year, goes into a practice mode in which even those few of us who are allowed to be in there are not permitted by NFL guidelines and our agreements with them as media outlets to report on what we see for, you know, strategic purposes. So everything that I see in Mason Rudolph in a practice setting, A, I can't share with you, and B, it doesn't even mean all that much. And I tried to let you know about that in the last episode. I tried to let you know why it's so difficult to gauge whether or not Mason Rudolph has made progress since last year. Well, here's what ended up happening. Rudolph goes out there against a team that's doing everything it can just to make the playoffs for the first time in nearly two decades. And he goes 22 of 39 
for 315 yards, two touchdowns, uh, an ugly pick, but the pick was kind of forced on him by Benny Snell missing a block. 89.2 QBR, and, and, and that's okay. He was right there with Baker Mayfield. But I'm not going to stop there where it comes to speaking on Rudolph's behalf and how he performed in this game and what it might mean moving forward. People who are longtime listeners or readers of mine can attest I don't sit there and stubbornly cling to a view, even if I just expressed it a couple days earlier. You can say that makes me wishy-washy or whatever else is. To me, it's just adjusting to new information. It's adjusting to new data. It's input and output. I did not see Mason Rudolph perform the way he did here yesterday, previously. Now I have. Now I have new output. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes these socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, warmer than wool, hypoallergenic. You can get them as all-day wear socks, outdoor work socks, cozy bed socks, lightweight diabetic compression socks. Treat yourself or a loved one to a little bit of comfort with a pair of these from WarriorAlpacaSocks.com. Use code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, that's WarriorAlpaca, A-L-P-A-C-A, Socks.com. The thing that was the most impressive about Mason wasn't just that he threw downfield, although I'm sure that's what's going to excite Steelers fans more than anything else. And, and again, it should. It, it was impressive. He's got an arm, and I did say that on that episode. I said the one thing you can't knock him for, he's got an NFL arm. When he makes it a throw, it's an NFL throw with few exceptions. You don't see him throwing lame ducks or wobbly spirals. He puts it in there. And when you look especially at a couple of the balls uh, deep downfield, to Deontay Johnson, to Chase Claypool, to Juju Smith-Schuster. He hit them in stride, and he hit them with BBs. And that's fun to watch, especially in a year where really, for reasons I still haven't completely figured out, Ben Roethlisberger waited until his final regular season game to start doing that. But there's more to what Mason did. There's more. Listen to this. On 3rd and 10 or 4th and 10, in these settings, he was 8 of 10 for 140 yards with two touchdowns. That's absolutely amazing. That's absolutely amazing. He had a 26-yard pass on third and nine, a 9-yard pass on third and eight. He was looking around the field. He was finding his target, and he was hitting him. Remember uh, the fourth down pass to Deontay. It came right after a play that really everything kind of went out of sync for the Steelers on it, and you're thinking, there's no way they're finishing this one off. And he does. He just steps back, looks around, finds Deontay, boom, puts it there, the end. That's fun. That's efficient. That's good young quarterbacking. 
Are there things about Mason's performance that I still didn't like? Yes, especially in the first half. His pocket came in on him, which we all expected to happen, given the way it's been with the offensive line all year long. But he wasn't anywhere near as aware of it as Ben Roethlisberger's been. And he wasn't using what's it's not great foot speed that he has, but he has enough mobility to get out of those situations. And I didn't like that. But guess what? In the second half, he started to move out of the pocket. Did you notice that? Once to his right, once to his left, as part of a 13-play, 75-yard drive. Let me repeat those numbers for you. A 13-play, 75-yard drive. That's an NFL quarterback. I don't know if it's a star. I don't know if it's a franchise guy. I don't know if he's headed to Canton. I strongly suspect he isn't. But I know that that's an NFL quarterback who can make these things happen. He was lumped together with Duck Hodges by an awful lot of people. He was never Duck. He can throw the football. He can really let it go. That's a big, 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 big part of being an NFL quarterback. He's also got some guts, and he's got some character. And you know what? He showed some of that yesterday, too, as long as I'm on the Mason subject. After the game was up, he saw Miles Garrett engaged in a conversation with Vance McDonald. So he did that thing where you kind of, you know, when you're going, you want to talk to somebody, but you see they're talking to somebody else, so you kind of go and hover. And, and he did that. He stood like a little bit off to the side, waiting for them to finish. And when it took a really long time and Mason saw some other people he wanted to say hello to, he just left that area. And as he did, Miles Garrett leaves Vance McDonald to go chase Mason down. And they ended up exchanging pleasantries. It wasn't a. Uh, Let's discuss this thing that happened between us last year. It was just a good game, whatever. I asked Mason Rudolph about this after the game. Mason, asking the obligatory question here, if you had any interaction at all today with Miles Garrett or any of the Browns as it related to what happened here last year. Miles um, came over and said, uh, good game, you know, post-game. And uh, that's all it was. I told him, you know, good luck, you know, a lot of respect for him. You hear that? I mean, that's... That's a guy, a kid, if you want to call him that. He's still only 25 years old. Who knew my question was coming? Who knew all of this was going to happen? He knew all of this was going to happen. And he answered it and addressed it every bit as maturely as he did the original incident and then the follow-up incident. And he became, out of that situation as if he wasn't already the far, far, far bigger man. He was the one in the position to bury the hatchet because he was right. He was right the whole time. But he didn't flout it. He didn't say, look at me. Hey, that guy came running to me. He didn't do any of that. You hear how I asked the question? He could have answered it any way he wanted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Miles Garrett? Yeah, he came over to me. Didn't say that. Nor did he say, I tried to approach him initially. He didn't do any of that. 
He just said, hey, guy came over, said good game. I said to him, good luck in the playoffs, whatever. Not once did Mason Rudolph smile through this entire media session because the thing that he had put in his head wasn't anything related to Miles Garrett, wasn't anything related to his own performance. It was that he wanted to go there and win. He wanted to go there and win. He lost by two points to a desperate playoff team while his own side left a quarter of the roster, an important quarter of the roster, back in Pittsburgh. If you're waiting through this whole segment for me to say that I was premature in my assessment of Mason Rudolph last week, here it is. I absolutely was. Wide open. I am wide open on this kid. Let's see more. Let's see what he can do. When we come back, just one question. I'm happy to say it comes from my man Boomer Gordon at the NHL Network. He's a hockey guy, obviously, but he's also a big-time Steelers fan. Listener of the program and subscriber to the site, we're happy to have him. Boomer wants to know, why do the Steelers kick off 36 hours after the Bills next week? Does Bob Kraft still make the schedule? Wow, okay. First of all, Boom, and you'll understand this from your line of work, I got to pay the bills. This portion of Just One Question is brought to you by LGKG. That's Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They're a personal injury law firm right here in western Pennsylvania that helps people who've been hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims, The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been doing that right here in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can make it a lot easier on yourself and just go online, lgkg.com, or call 888-842-5454. All right, so to Boomer's question. Bills and Colts go at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And remember that there's always been a Saturday-Sunday split in the NFL, and there's always somebody fussing over it. And the Steelers and the Browns' three-match, if you will, will be Sunday night. It'll be the NBC game, Sunday night football, uh, 8.15 p.m. on our partners at WPXI. Now, you can say that the Bills and or Colts, but in this case, let's be real, it's going to be the Bills, have this big advantage by having the extra day, even the extra day and a half. Uh, Football people will tell you that there is a difference between playing a night game and a day game in terms of your rest factor, your recovery factor. The games are going to be a week apart, you know, regardless I think you do get your regular rest in. You get your regular preparation in. But let me throw this at you. Steelers have a pretty significant 
staff, and I'm not just talking about Mike Tomlin's assistant coaches, they have all kinds of football people at all levels, scouts, evaluators, people who've been in the game, lifers. I wouldn't mind knowing who I'm playing a day and a half before I take the field. And not to suggest that Tomlin and or even one of his assistants could take their eye off Cleveland going into that game. There's a million reasons you'd never do that. But if I'm Kevin Colbert and I've got all these other people under me, around me, who know the game, who breathe the game, who can study uh, film, study tendencies, study the analytics, and I've got an extra day and a half to try to pick stuff apart, maybe that's an advantage for me. I don't know, Boom. It's a, it's a tough one. I'm sure the easiest thing to say and what any coach would say is they'd rather have the day and a half recovery, but that's also out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it, nothing I can do about it, nothing Mike Tomlin can do about it. But as long as you're dealt this hand, try to play it for an advantage. Thanks to everybody for listening to this one. We'll have another one tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about 